Welcome to the Portage County Safety Council podcast. We hope you enjoy today's safety talk. We have someone familiar to our group today, Becky, who's been with us in the past. So we want to thank her for coming today. She's also brought Emily with her. Becky is the Director of Health, Education, and Promotion at the Portage County Health District. She is a graduate of Kent State University with her Community Health Education Bachelor Degree and Benedictine University with her Master of Public Health. She is currently, as I said, the Director of Health Education and Promotion at the Accreditation Coordinator at the Portage County Combined General Health District. She also coordinates and directs identification and assessment of health education needs and available resources. She oversees comprehensive health education programs. She promotes positive health behaviors and works to reduce and eliminate health risk behaviors. In 2019, she successfully coordinated the health district's efforts to achieve national public health accreditation through the Public Health Accreditation Board. So with that, we welcome Becky and Emily. Thank you. Emily Speck is a registered sanitarian with the Portage County Health District. She uh, works in our storm water program, but through uh, COVID-19 response, she has been tasked with the role of managing quite a bit of the enforcement piece of the stay-at-home order and now the responsible restart. So she'll talk more. So we're going to tag team our presentation a little bit. All right, I'm going to, uh, you know, go over just some of the preliminary things about COVID-19 just as a refresher. I will not dwell unless somebody has a question. And Renee, feel free to, to jump in with any questions as I go along. Okay, what is COVID-19? Respiratory disease. Symptoms appear between 2 and 14 days after you've become exposed. Average days about five and a half days um, that you start showing symptoms. Caused by the uh, SARS-CoV-2 virus. It's a new strain of coronavirus, just as a reminder. It's the seventh uh, coronavirus strain that we've seen. The common cold is a coronavirus. And it uh, wasn't previously identified in humans until 2019. That's why it's called 20, uh, COVID-19. Symptoms uh, of COVID. So hopefully you guys recognize a lot of this. I'm having one or both of the, the following symptoms, cough, shortness of breath, difficulty breathing, and having at least two of the following symptoms, fever of 100.4, chills, muscle pain, headaches, sore throat, the new loss of taste or smell, that is a pretty significant one, uh, nausea, di diarrhea, and vomiting. Um, as we travel into um, October, November, December, and it is cold and flu season, wanted to share that there is a comparison, quite a lot of the same symptoms for a lot of things, along with allergy season. Anybody's like I am, hay fever is the devil right now for me. Who's at high risk? It still stays the same. This is uh, who was identified as the highest risk group. At the beginning of COVID-19, our older adults are people with underlying health conditions and people with a compromised immune system. Again, it's a respiratory disease and it affects those, um, those individuals. How is it spread? Person to person. Respiratory droplets. So when you sneeze, cough, talk, sing, present, what have you, you're releasing a lot of those respiratory droplets. And we know about 90% 90 90 of uh, the spread is caused by the respiratory droplets. So that's the importance of the staying um, beyond six feet of someone. There's also the other 10% is about um, the touching of surfaces. So fomites, it's one of my favorite words. 
And uh, so that's, you know, your coffee handle, your um, refrigerator, all those shared spaces um, that we share the same thing. That's why it's important to clean your high-touch surfaces. We know that COVID does live on surfaces, so plastic studies are showing, science is saying 72 hours, but there are some studies that are coming out that it could be up to five days. Uh, same with your stainless steel, it's 48 hours, but again, five days. And cardboard is about 24 hours. How to protect yourself, literally, it's the everything, I, I won't belabor it, staying six feet apart, wearing a face covering, cleaning high-touch surfaces, and washing your hands a lot. I just included those two little graphics. Um, the guy, I think that's from the office, that's overkill. Uh, we don't need to come into the office looking like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I just love the guy with the cone on their head because, um, you know, we touch our faces and, and literally if you, someone tells you not to touch your face, it's exactly what you do. You wipe your nose and, you know, what have you. So let's prevent it. And honestly, assessing your risk is another prevention method. You know, at this point, we have been dealing with COVID for quite a few months. And really, you got to just take a minute and stop and assess your risk. And there are things that you can do that you could do the activities you want to do safely. So if you really want to go out to eat, you know, the best thing you can do is like order curbside and pick it up that way. But if you really want to go out to eat, we you know, eat outside. I mean, I know that that's going to be a lot more difficult here coming up uh, as the weather plummets. But eating indoors at a restaurant is really the highest risk. So just these are some samples of just assessing your risk for uh, activities that you want to do um, and making making the decision what's best for you. I told you I was going to blow through that. I figure that's mostly everything you guys have been hearing. Can't even turn on the news anymore. But I want to give you some Portage County updates. And these are as recent as you're going to get. These came from 4 o'clock yesterday from our epidemiologist, Penny Paxton. So... This is Portage County and including the city of Kent. So it's good to remember that um, inside of Portage County, we there the city of Kent has its own health department um, and they do um, their own contact tracing um, and their own COVID response. We do, we are absolutely unified and I'll share a little bit of how we are unified in a little bit. But so all together as a county, including Kent City, um, we are looking at 1,259 confirmed COVID positive cases, uh, 54 probable, um, and then with a total of uh, 13, 13. Have, um, had 140 hospitalizations, um, 67 lives lost, unfortunately, and our presumed uh, recovered. And um, there's a little notation on, on how that, how she gets that uh, data is um, 1,033. So a lot of times, you know, people ask, I want to know how many people are sick right now. So that's a, a good, a good way of figuring, getting that brought out. Um, you can see the, the, the breakdown between males and females, um, and our population. Um, on average, the last 16 days or seven days, we've had, um, 16 new positive cases per day. And there is the breakdown of, um, where those cases are coming from. So, uh, eight is Kent City only. And then the rest of the county is eight. So leads us to uh, 16. Um, I just think this is a really cool chart. You know, we have heard a lot of um, a lot of press lately about the asymptomatic, especially with schools getting back into session and stuff. And we know a lot of the really healthy young, uh, young kids are not showing signs. Um, so they're asymptomatic. So this is just a nice uh, way of kind of comparing the symptomatic versus the asymptomatic. 
Um, and then this is the most recent um, zip code map. Um, this is uh, always, we put it out on Wednesdays. So if this is something that you want to see for yourself on a regular basis, if you uh, follow us on our Facebook page and there's a link at the end, uh, we do put the map, zip code map out every Wednesday. So you can see um, the city of Kent is our, our highest area, um, followed behind by Aurora and Ravenna. And that's total number of cases since March 13th. And that was when we got our first case here in Portage County. So a lot of times people at the very beginning, we were comparing COVID with the flu. Um, and that's kind of like laxed off. But um, there is a there is a comparison. And a lot of times people are like, why, why are we making such a big deal out of COVID? And I think this puts it in perspective. At least it really does for me. Um, COVID is, is, is like 900 times more contagious than our common flu. Uh, last year, so the 2019-2020 flu season, which was September to May, um, we had a combined total of seven deaths from influenza here in Portage County. Um, so from March to present, we've had 67 deaths. So that's why it's a big deal. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about exposure. Um, so this is, uh, we talked a little bit about social distancing. So staying six feet away from somebody, the magic number is 15 minutes or more. So if you are within six feet of somebody for more than 15 minutes, even if you both have your mask on properly, um, you're in, you are at higher increase of, um, consuming the respiratory droplets that are expelled. So that's why if you are within six feet of somebody, both of you have a mask on and that somebody is positive, COVID-19 positive, you became a direct contact with that person um, because of the um, uh, because of the, uh, the amount of exposure that you um, have been with them. So I have the little pictures and I'll attempt to explain them. Um, this was taught to me um, by Bob Walker, our emergency preparedness coordinator. So um, if you have a, a small bottle and you put, um, you know, five drops of food coloring in that, it's, it's going to turn red because of the, such a small space. If you have a five-gallon bucket of water and you put five drops of food coloring in there, you're, it's not going to change colors. Um, so that's the, the, my explanation of why increased ventilation is so important um, because it, the increased ventilation will um, dilute the amount of microscopic particles that in the respiratory droplets. I hope that made sense. Emily says maybe a little bit. Um, so this is uh, the, the our inside of our office, the infamous bullseye chart. Um, this is honestly uh, what I use when someone calls me and says, oh my gosh, I think I was exposed. Um, so what do I do if I'm exposed? So let's work it out first. So um, let's go with the person who tests positive for COVID-19. Let's say that it is me. I have tested positive with COVID-19. And Emily sat next to me for over 15 minutes. Um, we, we both had our masks on. We were doing everything right, except for we were within, our, within that six feet. Um, Emily now um, is a direct contact of me because I was showing symptoms um, and I'm positive and we were within that space. So she's in the yellow. 
So she is now going to be quarantined for 14 days. And she's going to try to separate from the rest of her household. So her husband's going to have to stay away from her. So maybe her husband, who's now like, oh, my gosh, Emily, you're in quarantine. What about me? He becomes that outer blue circle um, because he wasn't in direct contact with somebody positive. Because at this point, Emily isn't positive. He's fine. He doesn't have to quarantine. So I hope that helps. That's that's if you are anybody wants any of these um, infographics, uh, please feel free. Reach out to me or to Mike um, and we'll make sure that we send them. This is really my talking point for when I talk with people who are um, who are worried. And this is what gets sent out uh, to people who are COVID positive by our public health nurses. Uh, difference between quarantine and isolation, the easiest way. Um, I'm a mnemonics person. Um, isolation is people who are ill. And so isolation is we're going to separate our sick people that are, you know, contagious from those who are not sick. For COVID-19, we isolate for 10 days. Um, that's a different between what we're quarantining because it takes a few days for the um, symptoms to occur. Uh, quarantine is we're just separating and restricting movement of people who were exposed. And for COVID-19, that's 14 days. All right, a little bit of how we're responding as an agency here in Portage County. Um, I said earlier I would talk to you about how we're doing this. Um, we utilize our incident command structure. Uh, during 9-11, uh, during the World Trade Center attacks, uh, it was recognized that, you know, air quality was becoming a problem. And, oh gosh, let's call in public health. So public health came in, and that's when they realized that we needed to speak the same language as the other first responders. So incident command structure, or ICS, is a structure uh, of communication, if you will, and um, command uh, that the fire departments used uh, in the California uh, wildfires back in the day. So we utilized that incident command structure. We started in 9-11. Um, after that, public health receives funding uh, for our public health emergency preparedness. So we've got, we have lots of plans, but we utilize that same incident command structure inside of that for COVID-19. Um, we started doing, a, we opened up what we call a DOC, a Department of Operations Center. Um, in February, we started meeting, um, we started meeting daily. Um, we are, we have moved on and we're meeting twice weekly. And that's an internal um, meeting that we have to talk about our, our internal operations. We also do a unified DOC. Um, with outside organizations. So it is us as the lead, Kent City Health Department, because again, you have to work with them. Um, Emergency Management Agency, Hattie Larlam to uh, represent the um, some of our vulnerable populations, um, and UH Portage. So uh, we meet, meet weekly at this point, but quite honestly, we were meeting daily um, for quite a while. It was just recently that we've moved it to just weekly. Uh, with the understanding that as if things ramp back up, we will we will meet more often or as needed. Um, we're also one of the other things that this is something that I do is um, set up a joint information center or a JIC. This is also underneath that unified or the incident command structure. So this is uh, a way that we communicate with a lot of our partners that are um, in response as well as need this information uh, really timely. So again, that's us, Kent City Health Department, the EMA, UH Portage, um, Access Point, 
Kent State University, Hiram, Neomed, and then all all eleven plus all eleven school districts plus Maplewood plus our parochial schools. Um, we are all uh, that we share information through that JIC. Um, on the other side, we, um, as you can imagine, we monitor all positive COVID-19 cases that come in. Um, those cases come into our nursing division through the Ohio Disease Reporting System. Uh, we investigate all potential cases, contact trace um, for possible cases that are in contact. So we talked about that. Um, we answer a lot of calls as of this morning um, since... I think we started tracking uh, mid-April. Um, we have received 2,721 um, calls that we had to do things with. Um, with our uh, our calling person uh, actually had to like let's go through this process. Um, out of those, we've had 1,107 1, complaints, and we've conducted 100 inspections. You're probably going to talk about that. That's Emily. So. Um, and then we've been again working with the Portage County businesses with our responsible restart and the all of the all of the ODH orders and recommendations as they come through. These are a couple signs that we um, have made for businesses. I hope you've seen them. Um, if you're interested in having them, a lot of these get put on um, the door entryway doors. Um, I see them a lot of them in the at the restaurants around um, in Portage County. But if you're interested, just let me know, or you can find them online on our website. And uh, again, working with community partners, but I talked to you about the zip code map that is our um, link to so we're at Portage County Health District on Facebook and at Portage Co Health on Twitter. I believe now we're going to have Emily take it away. Can people hear me? We're all good. Okay, so um, this is our responding to complaints. So. The first step is we receive a complaint call. Um, one of our callers picks up the line and um, the complainant is stated. We try to get them onto our website to fill out a complaint, but if a complainant can't have access to online um, resources, then our caller will write the complaint for them. Um, once we receive three complaints on a one specific business or um, facility, what have you, then um, one of our P PCHD staff will then give them a call, ask them, hey, what's going on? It's kind of like a follow-up, an educational follow-up. Is your, are you wearing masks? Are you following the man the director's order, the mask mandate? Um, so that's when we give an actual call um, after three complaints. And then if the facility or business receives five complaints, um, then we will actually go out to the facility or business to conduct an inspection to see what's going on. And then, of course, there's also emergency situations that um, you get complaints that, hey, my coworker's positive with COVID or um, events going on. We immediately... Send, see that as an emergency, we'll send it up the food chain of our incident command, and most likely it's a call to that business or facility, and it could even be an inspection. Um, so that's also a thing. Um, types of complaints we receive, um, we've been going through a bunch of different steps 
different types of complaints throughout when COVID started till now. Um, first, it started as this business isn't essential. Why are they open? To they're not taking temperatures. To now it's um, the most common complaints are mask and social distancing. So the number one complaint is mask. Um, employees are not not wearing masks or they're improperly wearing masks. Um, we also receive about customers not wearing masks. Um, it's very difficult as a business, even as the health department, to have customers wear the mask. It is in the mask mandate that they have to, but you know it is difficult sometimes. As a business or a facility, we just say, you know, please follow the mask mandate, the director's orders for your employees. Employees have to wear a mask unless they have a um, documentation of why they're not wearing a mask. And with customers, um, just follow your company's policy when it comes to customers wearing masks. Um, social distancing, the complaints that we receive is um, the business or facility is not following six feet social distancing, um, not separating a lot, um, or there's just too many customers in the store that is just crowded. Um, with the director's order, um, there must be a sign at every entrance with the amount of people that are allowed to go into the business. And again, if you have questions about this, follow your company's policy when it regards to um, how many people are allowed in the facility or how do you track um, how many people are ent entering in. So some people, they just put a sign up saying this is how many were allowed in at the time or they'll have somebody, an employee at the door just um, tallying the numbers. And then, so this is the actual um, mass section. So like I said, um, when we receive three complaints about a business or a facility, um, we call call them for a follow-up, see what's going on. Um, if it's a mask complaint, we ask them, hey, are your employees wearing masks? If they state that some of them are not, then we ask them to provide documentation. And um, this is direct, Kim, this came directly out of the director's order. Um, so these are just the different exemptions for not wearing a mask that you have to have documented. Um, so a lot of it's like OSHA safety reasons why an employee doesn't have to wear a mask. Um, they have health reasons, you know, they have asthma, heart disease, stuff like that. Um, they're working alone. So what we ask for when it comes to documentation is even an email or um, Microsoft document, something, just stating why this specific person's not wearing a mask. Um, so pretty much what I got. And then for this is the an inspection. Um, we receive five complaints. So we have two sanitarians go out to the business facility. Um, this is an example of our inspection report and um, we do ask the business or facility when we're there if we can take photos. Um, I know some um, we've been dealing with a lot of manufacturing companies and all that more um, that haven't met the health department. We haven't met them. So we always ask for permission first because sometimes they may have sensitive items uh, or work stuff in their facility that they can't allow 
photos or videos, which is perfectly fine. We always ask permission. But um, all our inspections that we've done, all the complaints that we receive, it is public record. So you or anybody can ask for records regarding a certain business or facility. So if we done a inspection at a facility um, and somebody wants the copy of it, we can send it to them. So all pictures and the report can be sent to them because it is public record. So, yep, I'll switch back to Becky. Perfect. So, um, so uh, Nick uh, shared the coronavirus at Ohio.gov. Um, we also have a robust um, COVID-19 page on our website um, with a section that's for um, businesses. So please check that out. Um, Mike DeWine uh, does his press conference twice a week, usually Tuesday, Thursday at 2. Uh, we get that from the Ohio Channel. So these are just some uh, different resources. Um, and never uh, forget Town Hall 2 um, for our the mental health aspect. This is really affecting people um, in a lot of different ways, and mental health is definitely one of them. Um, and they have a, a great 24-7 um, line, so please feel free to refer that out to some of your um, staff as needed. This is where we're done. Time for questions, but there is my email and phone number with extension as well as Emily. So if you have questions that you think of after today, please feel free to email or call Emily and I. We don't know the answer, then we know somebody who does. Yeah, we have a few questions. So first, a couple questions for Emily. Based on what you were just talking about, are the inspections scheduled or are they unannounced for the company? Do they know that? We try to get them scheduled. If the complainant leaves a phone number that we can get it scheduled, we, we try to get it scheduled. And there's times that we call the facility multiple times. They have not answered, so we will show up unannounced. But we really want to try to schedule with them so we don't have to show up and cause panic. So. And then what happens if they, um, the, the problems continue after the inspection? You know, is there another step after that or have we not had to get that far yet? So when it comes to problems, they're just not following what they're doing. Like they're completely disregarding the mask mandate or um, that's really what we had to deal with. There's several ways to go about this, but we do have to work with our prosecutor to see the next step, and we might have to issue a violation order to them. But that's pretty much as far as we got when it came to that. Good. So I'm not sure who answers this question. Um, heat exhaustion is a common concern. And as we transition into fall, I think companies are, you know, getting a little bit cooler. Do you have any guidance for businesses, like on a case-by-case -case business, how they could transition as the temperatures change and how they can avoid heat exhaustion for their employees? I know there's information on our website regarding settings like that with heat exhaustion and all that. So it's linked to CDC and OSHA. That's what I would recommend to for employers to look at. As the uh, flu season starts up here very soon, and I don't know if you can, it's giving me notices here. But as the flu season starts soon, how do people know the difference between a regular flu and COVID, and what should they do about that? That's definitely going to be an issue, um, quite honestly. Uh, I think the schools are ha having to deal with that right now. 
So really, if you if you're you know you're showing signs and symptoms, and it could be COVID nineteen, we would say you know contact your physician. Again, it's it's allergy season as well right now, so you kind of go along the lines like I've had a headache, um, but it is allergy season, and I have a headache every year in October to you know kind of uh, make those determinations. But if there's any question at all, you contact your healthcare provider and and you work it out and and let them decide what's best if you need a test or or what that is. So always gonna I'm always gonna point you to your healthcare provider first. Good. Are there places that we can get testing that are free or clinics that are pop-up clinics or where are testing centers now? The governor's office uh, has, you know, made the declaration that he will provide uh, testing where, where needed. We had um, pop-up testing here in Portage County for three days in July. So there's a lot of the governor's or the Ohio Department of Health pop-up testing throughout the state. So I would recommend uh, getting on the Ohio Department of Health uh, the coronavirus.ohio.gov and clicking on the testing and you're going to see um, a lot of locations. Um, here in Portage County, it's a little more difficult access point doing testing there in Kent. There's the UH Portage providers. So the one in Streetsboro, the one in Kent and the one in Ravenna, you can uh, reach out to them as well. Physicians offices, uh, quite a few of them are able to provide a test um, if you're symptomatic as well. It's the pop-up testing that is being done around uh, the state that you don't have to have symptoms, and that is uh, completely free. So um, something that we are definitely working on getting increased testing here in Portage County. And then after you've been exposed, a question from one of our members here, after you've been exposed, how many days should you wait so you don't get like a false, a false negative, um, like after you've been exposed? If you are exposed and you're not the positive yet, you're going to have um, a direct contact with uh, one of our public health nurses, our contact tracers. So if you are a person who's been identified as a direct contact, then we are going to monitor you for those 14 days. You'll get someone, one of our public health nurses, our contact tracers will, you know, notify you originally, talk to you about what the process is. You'll make the determination of whether or not you want a phone call or a text. And that's how we will communicate with you every single day of that 14 days. So that really is a question that you'll, um, you know, walk through with your contact tracer at that time. We got a comment from Nicole Penny that said, uh, UHKEN is only providing testing for those who are symptomatic. CVS is doing free testing, even if you're not symptomatic. So maybe you have some reason that you want to get a test doing something important or being around people you might want to test. CVS seems to be doing that. So Last I heard that CVS was uh, in Kent was only doing symptomatic. So that's good to know. I'll, I'll update our records. So we have another question uh, here. It says, so if we test positive, you'll be notified and we will be contacted. So is that you guys get notified from any testing that tests positive? So right. The reporting system that we utilize, and it has been in place for a long time, way before COVID. So it's a, a system that we are very familiar with. It's called the Ohio Disease Reporting System, or ODRS. So a lot of times, yes. Yeah, so you'll you know, go to your physician or what have you, wherever you're getting tested. And if, you know, hopefully your, um, your provider is able to get a hold of you first and say, hey, you tested positive. You're going to be contacted by the health department. Sometimes we get that test or we get a hold of that person first. So that positive comes in through the ODRS system. Um, our nurses check that throughout the day, every single day, seven days a week. And um, then, yes, we would give you that phone call. You tested positive. Um, and then, you know, let's finish up our investigation information. Who have you been in contact with? 
then feeds into the contact tracing piece for all those people that you identify being in contact with. So what about working in Portage County and living in Summit? I'm, I'm guessing this is referring to, um, you know, how is it reported? Yeah, so if you live in Summit County, that it's where you live that you will be contacted by. So every health department across Ohio runs the same way. We all use ODRS. We're all doing contact tracing. So if you live in Summit County, then you will be contacted by the your Summit County Health Department or one of their contact tracers. And it is a really good practice if you contact your employer here in Portage County to let them know. And what is uh, the incubation period for COVID-19? Um, is that like the 14 days? I think you have a slide up there. Two to 14 days, up right there. Two to 14 days. So symptoms start to appear between two and 14 days. So that would be, and then like I said, usually on average, it's about five and a half days after you've been exposed. And then how long should a healthy person take to recover? If they do test positive, um, then they... They start to feel really crummy, I guess. Uh, and then, how long until they're back to work and feeling well again? Honestly, every single person is different. Like, there's just no way to answer that. There are some people who have zero symptoms. There are some who are hospitalized in the you know ICU. Um, some who lose their lives. So there is it is a whole gamut. No way to answer. Um, are there any other questions? I'm trying to scan through and make sure I got them all. You made a good example just personally, Becky, earlier of it's allergy season. So as an employer, as I had people come in and maybe they have some kind of sniffles or just something, and we know because we worked with them for years, they do this every time in the fall and they complain about it, that we know they have allergy symptoms. What kind of measures do we take place? Do we say, okay, we could let them come to work or if any sniffles at all, we should say, just go home just in case. Is there a healthy boundary there that we could kind of, I know it's a tough question for you, but. Yeah. That's when I just, I'm going to toss that back onto your, contact your HR and their pol your policy that you have in place. Honestly, it, it's up to the, it's up to the individual um, company agency where I have youth policy and, and where they're at. Because every, everybody does something different. We have some more questions here. Are there current plans to add more testing options in Portage County uh, for employees who are mandated to get biweekly testing other than someplace like CVS? We, we are working as an agency to increase testing in Portage County. It's, it's a process. Yeah, I'm sure. Where can people get the most up-to-date information? You said there's on your website. Honestly, um, our COVID-19 page on our website. So if you just go to portagehealth.net, go to portagehealth.net and slash at the very top corner is covid 19 hit that COVID-19. We update our website every single day so that we try to keep the most current information as it comes out. And if there's something that you don't see that you're looking for, contact one of us so we can see if we can find it um, and make sure that it is posted up there because if you have a question, then somebody else is too. Um, a few more things. Someone's letting us know that they tested positive. One thing they learned is that you can test positive for three months after your first positive case because of the virus can still be in your body. Just confirming you're still not contagious, though, at that point. Um, you are just testing positive. So we're learning new things every single day. Like, right, so you just follow the science. I just learned the other day that the antibody test, um, you know, because everybody's like, I was so sick in January. I know I had it. But the antibody test is only going to show the antibodies for three months. If I got, if I was really had COVID in January, by now those antibodies are gone. So 
again, just following the science and, and we're learning things new every single day. Becky, there is a little bit of, I wouldn't call it misinformation or just, I think it's just like conclusions that people jump to. Like I've heard people talking several times where, well, I got it back in January, I think, so I, I, I can't get it again. I'm like, I don't think it works like the chicken pox. Right. So what's um, the latest up to date kind of thing? I, just because you may have antibodies doesn't mean you may not be able to get it again. What's, what's again, the science? Following that science and from my understanding, there has been recently people who had documented COVID previously who are getting it again, who, you know, had it, tested negative, and then are now testing positive again. So, man, we're learning every single day something new. So along those lines, if an employee has a temperature of 100.4, but no other symptoms, is it safe to say we should send those employees home to see if they develop more symptoms? Again, that, that's, your, that's your company policy. For us internally here, we have a fever of 100.4. We get sent home. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I think that's what a lot of companies are doing still. I think that's pretty common. I believe that's the CDC's recommendation as well. Okay. Um, and then uh, somebody asked where they can get the JIC uh, information, and is it on your website someplace? So that's the JIC. So that's just, um, it's really the information that um, does go out to the public. It's just the JIC is ensuring that they are getting it, like, in this systematic process. So, you know, for instance, um, I sent out to the JIC flu, our flu calendar that we're doing community flu clinics, just so they had that information in readily available in one in one spot. So everything that we share with the JIC is public information. It does get shared to the public. And it is usually everything is posted on our website. So we're running out of time here. So I just want to jump yeah. in. Renee, thank you so much. Those are awesome questions. I want to walk through because we're dealing with an employer. So I just want to walk through the enforcement piece just one more time for clarity. And so you guys get anonymous calls, employees, it doesn't matter, right? You get three complaints you're going to call. And then if you get five complaints, it's an automatic in inspection, correct? correct. And so yeah. you, you did mention earlier, you answered a question that you would try oh. to schedule. If there's contact information, you would contact so you won't just show it spontaneously if you could help that, if you could avoid that, right? Right. Yeah. So our complaints, we we have employees, so it's majority of our clerks and some of our other employees that they are the people that handle all the calls. And we try to get people to send a, in a complaint to our um, website because then it goes on to a beautiful Excel spreadsheet and it's nice. If they don't have any way to a computer, one of our callers will fill out the complaint for them. And we try to ask them for contact information, who to contact for this business or facility. So a lot of times they're like, oh, call my HR person. This is their phone number. That's great. We will Google the number, see if we can pull that up. And yeah, we try as much as possible to get it scheduled with them. If like if we call several times, like two, three times, nobody's picking up, nobody's calling us back then yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll show up. So a lot of the agencies out there are referring people back to their local health department for answers. So I know you guys are kind of in a tight spot there, but they're talking about reach out. If you think your employee is going to be safe, you know, a lot of our members are wrestling between like an OSHA violation for wearing something like a mask that can get pinched in a machine or being too hot or those type of things. And they said, reach out if you have those situations where you don't feel it's safe to wear a mask, you could reach out for a variance. Now, 
I know Becky, I think, mentioned earlier that the best bet is to create a document or maybe some kind of COVID policy and explain why if there's a variance or you're not compliant to a certain thing. So it's too hot in this environment or this is a pinch hazard if you're wearing a mask in this environment. That way, if you guys get complaints, you come and there's a documentation. Is that correct? It's not really a variance. On the director's orders, they have a list of exemptions to not wear a mask. So as long as they're meeting one of those exemptions in Section 4 of the, what is it, the second amended order that was um, July 23rd, it's still in effect. So as long as they're meeting one of those exemptions and they just have it written down, like either in a policy, they can send it to me, email, a Word document, what have you, just have it written down saying, we are not wearing masks because it's a safety hazard working in the shop. Simple as that. That's all what we're really looking for. But the third complaint, especially if it's about masks, people that call, if they say, yeah, this person's not wearing a mask or yeah, we're not wearing a mask because I, I asked for the documentation right then and there and they can just email it to me or fax it to me. Okay. So in the cases where maybe they're not complying or maybe they're in that, well, people are hot and they're having heat exhaustion issues and they think it's the mat, whatever it is, and they're not complying with it. How does that fine structure work? So you come back, you have an inspection, and then maybe you get two more complaints about that facility. What happens then, and what do the fines look like? You guys, is there like a like OSHA has a minimum fine they charge if they come out, they're going to find you. It's going to be this amount, and then they add on from there. What does that look like for COVID nineteen? Have you guys had to find people yet? Technically, like we don't want to find people. I know the police department; they can ticket facilities that are not complying with the mandate. Um, with the director's order, they have the ability to do that. Basically, it, it comes to a process when it comes to a prosecutor that it sends out. We we give them a violation to say, "Hey, you have you have to stop." When it comes to escalation from there, it's kind of new territory for us because, luckily for us, majority of the businesses and facilities we've been dealing with when it comes to the complaints, they've been compliant. So we haven't had to go that far. But yeah, with us, we don't send out fines, but I know the police department, they can ticket people with the fines. Awesome. Well, Becky, Emily, thank you so much for coming. I think you clarified a lot of stuff, at least for me, I know. And uh, we've all heard the mass social distance stuff you guys really elaborated on, just the communications at the health department and how you interact with the schools and all the different agencies makes me feel safer knowing that all that's going on and not just assuming, seeing how that works. And also the enforcement. Because I think you guys do a great job working with the community. As you guys stated here, you don't, you're you not looking to hurt any business or fine or shut anyone down. You're looking just to make sure that Portage County is a safer place to work. So we appreciate that. So Becky, Emily, again, thank you so much. Everybody out there, be safe. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more episodes, check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbeam, or Stitcher. To get new episodes sent directly to your phone or smart device, be sure to subscribe. To learn more about how your company can earn up to a 4% Ohio BWC premium rebate by becoming an active member of the Portage County Safety Council, please visit our website at www.portagecountysafetycouncil.wordpress.com. The preceding information is for entertainment purposes only. Views expressed may not reflect the views of any affiliated or sponsoring individuals or organizations. Listeners should carefully weigh information provided and seek advice from an appropriate professional before implementing. Listener discretion is advised.